This episode contains some content that deals with sexual assault and physical abuse to which some listeners may find upsetting, triggering, and graphic. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is the victim of sexual or physical abuse, please know that there is help out there and please reach out. There are links and phone numbers in the episode notes. Welcome back to another episode of Making a Martini. I am your host, Caleb Figgles, and a very happy Valentine's Day to all you sexy bitches out there. Happy National Make a Scorpio Day. Happy Humping Day. You know, all that. Uh, And today I have a very special episode for all of you with three very special, talented, uh, sexy, hilarious, funny actors you know, we are talking with Dylan Diaz, Jake Waters, and Micah Martinez, three stars of the adult film industry. And we're talking about their industry starts, what goes into the art of making porn. I think I just whistled, <laughs> but I'm going to keep it in because I think it's funny. Uh, other skill sets that they have within the industry, sexual assault, being black in porn, and OnlyFans, um, which really was the catalyst for why I wanted to do this episode. Um, these men were truly a pleasure to talk to and i'm super excited for you guys to hear the conversation i could not stop laughing when i was going through and making the edits which um i don't know if you noticed but this is a rather long episode uh so i didn't make that many <laughs> um so yeah let's just shut me the fuck up and get to it the themed cocktail of this episode is called the sex in the driveway it is one ounce peach schnapps one ounce of blue curacao two ounces of vodka and sprite mix all of the ingredients except the sprite together in a shaker over ice pour into a chilled martini glass and top it off with a splash of sprite for that carbonation and then garnish it however the fuck you want i used a pineapple slice because i just did okay Um, All right, let's get this show on the road. This is myself, Dylan Diaz, Jake Waters, and Micah Martinez on the art of making porn. Welcome, you guys. Hey, how are you? Hi. Uh, It's just the worst starting news off. Just always. It's never a great time. But thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, listeners, we are talking with Jake Waters, Dylan Diaz, and Micah Martinez, three wonderful, incredibly talented, funny, amazing actors in the adult film industry. Also, this is our, I know what's not Valentine's Day, but this is our Valentine's Day episode. So happy Valentine's Day, you guys. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Or for my more dedicated listeners out there, happy National Make a Scorpio Day. Um, hey, that's how I got here. Me too. <laughs> I got it. I Valentine's that. Day accident. It's always yeah. a great moment when, like, any November Scorpio when they make that realization, and it's like, oh yeah, that does that oh, adds fully, up. Fully. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So uh, I'm just gonna start by sort of explaining to everyone how, why I wanted to do this episode and why it was important to me. Um. And it all actually started back in August of 2021 when OnlyFans made the announcement that they were going to change their format and change their content. They were going to, was it a ban on sexual content or a ban on subscriptions? Sexual content. Yeah. Yeah, Sexual content overall. So because of the banks. Yes. Banks. Banks, Right. We got to save the banks. You guys, they're the most important aspect of the world. Um, But that was, and so 
when that happened, there was this weird, this weird like phenomenon that I kind of observed and it was, I called it um, uh, supportive outrage from people who didn't like OnlyFans. They were like, well, thank God it's about time. We need to get this away from the world, blah, 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 blah. You know, like everyone that probably has a subscription to something, um, (laughs) you know who you are, everyone. Uh, but no one was listening to the people like the actual content creators. No one was listening to the people that actually were using OnlyFans as a way to express their work, make money. I mean, there's a woman out there who her subscription is to watch her eat crab legs. And like, I was free. My phone must've been off that day, but whatever. Um, but once I saw that, that sort of <laughs> that anger towards OnlyFans, I was like, there's something here. And I was like, I don't really know a whole lot about OnlyFans. I don't really know anything about the adult film industry. And I was like, that would be a great topic. And then I looked and saw that I have an episode that's supposed to be scheduled to be released on Valentine's Day when life gives you lemons. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it. And then what, two or three weeks ago, I want to say, I, I just had the idea. I was going out on a limb and I was like, I'm just going to message any, you know, actors that I know or that I follow and just see what happens. Expecting absolutely nothing because like even my podcast, Instagram, I still have that random like requests yeah. side that I never look at. Cause it's like, we would love for you to be a brand ambassador of this product that doesn't exist. Right. My latest one is from uh, smoothmyballs.com or no, just smooth my balls. But it's oh. fake. It's a total scam. I was like, what? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for thinking of me. Uh, really honored. Wherever you are. <laughs> Whoever you are. Thank you so much. Um, but I, one of the people I reached out to was Dylan. And I think like 10 minutes later, you would responded. And I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. Great. And so we got that. So thank you. And then you also brought everybody else together. So we would not be here without you. It's this a weird episode thing. is dedicated to you. Oh, it's kind of weird. My responses are are kind of random. Like if something I don't usually respond actually at all. And it's not it's, I'm just antisocial. <laughs> I'm a little introverted, um, a little bit shy. A little bit. <laughs> but right. <laughs> but there was something about if 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 I receive a message that touches me, that touches me in some way, I will respond and for some reason, not sure why. Yours touched me. So I was like, all right, well, let me go touch some other people and see if we can make this all work. <laughs> and great. And here's my <laughs> I also have to say that I've never had a guest before or anyone that's been on it. So when we first started like talking about like what we could make this episode about, you had sent me a paragraph and I was like, oh, my job is done. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> This has been (laughs) this has been the easiest episode to prep for, and also the most fun. I mean, let's just say it's been the most fun. But um, but yeah, we one of the things we I definitely wanted to talk about the world of and the episode title of this is the art of making porn. I wanted to know that, and I wanted to talk about like the the stigmas that are associated with it and breaking those down and being like, this is the world. So just fucking get used to it, you prudes out there. So that's it. That's my spiel. That's probably the most you guys are going to hear me talk this episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys are going to miss it, but, um, 
but so let's, yeah, let's just dive right in. And I'm going to ask you guys a question you probably never had before. Um, cause I'm a really good investigative journalist, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and talk about how it is that you got into the adult film industry. Um, we can just, we'll go ahead and start with you, Dylan. All right. So I am Dylan Diaz. I got into adult entertainment. Oh my gosh. I want to say 2017, 2018, uh, by way of go-go dancing in New York city. Um, I was kind of in between gigs at the time. And I had, you know, managed to get myself into some, into some really good shape. So I was like, all right, why don't I just use this body to see if I can make some money off of it? I wasn't interested in like a nine to five or a, even like a, a, you know, a six to midnight. I was like, I just, I just I need to make money somehow. Six to midnight? What, what, what is that? New York hours. I didn't want any of that. I didn't want to work, really. But <laughs> but I had to. Oh, move. <laughs> so I got to go-go dancing. And then go-go dancing led me to, you know, porn. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't planned. I never thought I would be any kind of performer because, like I said earlier, I'm pretty shy and introverted. Um, but I decided to give it a try. And I really liked it. And I met some really cool people, present company included. And um, I decided to keep going with it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Snaps for Dylan. Um, uh, Jake, go ahead, if you wouldn't mind. I'm Jake Waters. I got into the industry in November of 2019. I got into the industry because I was uh, chatting with Michael Roman on one of the adult sites. <laughs> yes. The adult and, entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But uh, it was... Um, but Michael and I, this funny thing is Michael and I have had this like chat conversation going for almost two years, a year and a half, but it was never like, oh, let's hook up or let's meet. It was just a like, nice, friendly conversation. And um, he told me one day, he goes, you'd be great in the adult entertainment world. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. You know, I'm in a relationship. You know, I can't do that. I got a regular job. I'm from the Midwest. We don't do things like that. <laughs> but i told him that i was always interested and i just never really knew how to get in the door so he gave me a shishi larue's phone number and then um one day out of the blue i text her i'm like hey is this shishi larue she's like yeah next thing you know i'm on a flight (laughs) la i'm on set and i never look back yeah I was on that set. You were on the. You That's were. right. You guys met there. He showed up. I, not on day one. He showed up, but I didn't work with him on day one. I worked with him on day two, and then. When I showed up, you were busy. I was shocked me coming in because you were very busy. <laughs> now they're married. <laughs> Look at that. Look what happens. He slept with me one time, and I can't get rid of him. <laughs> totally whipped. <laughs> That's cool. I love that 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 was very much right time, right place, and all aspects of your 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 story there. I love that. Very kismet. Um, all right, Micah, and I am Micah Martinez. Um, so I got into the industry literally as a joke. Um, I <laughs> was like hooking up with someone that was in the, in the industry, and um, I knew that they were. We would just like fool around. We would like put on like public shows, like whatever. Um, but never like 
do anything. And when I say public shows, it's like fucking in the gym shower with like the door open, um, but never like a, like actual event until recently. Um, and <laughs> they were like, you should do porn. You should do porn. You should do porn. And I would always just say no. Cause um, I met him when I was actually getting like newly sober. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like a little over five years now. So I was like in my first year. Sobriety. Congratulations. Um, but like with that, I was like, no, like I need to like focus on like myself and do all that. And then like I hit it here and I was like, fuck it, let's like do it. So like, he asked me again and I was like, if you get me a shoot, I'll do it. And he just like sent me the number for a director and was like, here, like they've been literally waiting on you to like finally say yes. <laughs> I like, call them and they'll book you. And they did. Um, I did my first shoot. And it was like. Literally, I was like going into it like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm here. I like showing off. I don't care. Like, it was like not like a, oh, this is like this is my now type thing. It was just like, okay, cool. Like, this is gonna be like a fun thing to tell like whoever in the future. And I did pretty well, and we're still doing good. So I just I'm riding the pony. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, live your best life. I love that. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> one of the like I said in the beginning, one of the things that I wanted to know about was was process. So, for you, for all three of you, really, mm-hmm. um, what would be your ideal process? Like, if it, if everything was perfect from beginning to end, what sort of goes into it from like the inception of the idea to writing it to casting it filming it editing it what does that process look like it's a very big question but first off we need to have the money (laughs) (laughs) first you get the money (laughs) it definitely helps (laughs) um interesting Wes I think you should take this because you do a little bit of everything yeah yeah no I um I primarily at this point work production um i do directing i do casting directing uh production management uh production assisting the whole nine yeah um script writing the whole yes i write the super campy scripts that everyone loves seeing on their Pornhub banners you're welcome um but <laughs> um from start to finish, um, first things first, just because I'm dealing with it currently, is if everyone can pass a COVID test, because dear God, <laughs> like, that's in right. yeah. the industry. Our job is literally touching people, so it is very hard to touch <laughs> people when we're being told not to touch anyone. Right. <laughs> um, but so from the very beginning, um, you can have an idea, but also just making sure that it's like, able to be executed in a sexy way like sure there's like the funny porns or like the joke stuff there's even like horror porn everything like that um but able to like actually like translate that into a somewhat believable scenario i know that does not always happen but it'd be nice if it did um and then you get to casting um a lot of porn people whether it's because they're super busy in this industry or they have another job or they're taking care of grandma or like whatever like getting multiple people's schedules to actually align especially because when you're directing or anything like that like it's not just like typically oh i direct for this one site that's it like normally it's like oh i have this many shoot days for this site and then i have this many for this site and then i do two days over here so it's like your schedule plus their schedule plus 
your audio guy's schedule. Plus, like it's like trying to get everyone like on the same page is the second nightmare that I constantly go through. Um, and, um, so once you get casting done, you get the script and the ideas out, you then get to set. And like I said, it's everything from COVID testing to full panel testing, like making sure, okay, all of that's done. Now can everyone actually walk in the door and actually perform that day? <laughs> it's like, um, so just having all of that somehow streamlined in a perfect world where, you know, variables aren't a thing would be very nice. Um, <laughs> and then actually performing and it's like, does this person know what a fleet enema is? Um, does this person know how to take a modium? Did they have Taco Bell last night? Who knows? Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, once you get there. <laughs> so yeah, those are the... <laughs> the main like issues that uh, we go through on shoot days. And like I said, it's not always like that. Sometimes it's like bit boom, bang, so done so quick and easy. Like it's very nice when you have like a nice two hour shoot day, mm-hmm. but it's primarily the pre-production, like all the, so it is very much like um, musical theater or like yeah. the filming where it's like getting everything situated here's the shoot days that you have but first you got to knock down every other checker here <laughs> before yeah. you can even get a camera in your hands and make the thing right yeah <laughs> it's very similar in that respect <laughs> especially nowadays with testing everything else yeah. yeah the world having an apocalypse going on right now <laughs> yeah speaking of everyone get fucking vaccinated and boosted please PSA. Just fucking do it. Um Delta Cron. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to like casting and stuff, does it ever happen where <laughs> I don't want to phrase that? Well, I guess it's sort of like a a which which comes first, chicken or the egg type thing, the top or the bottom. Um, where like you have two people in mind for a scene and then you create it around them, vice versa. Um, so me strictly from production, um, like the site I work for is very like fetishy niche stuff. So I'll have like in mind, like what kind of things I want to be doing for that scene. Mm-hmm. And then I'll think about people that I know can do that and, or want to do that. And then I'll be like, okay. And then who would they look good with? Like, or like what I like to do sometimes it's like, who have they never been paired with? So I can try to like switch it up for once. So it's not just the same, like duos over yeah. and over again through every gay porn site you've ever seen <laughs> like it's like just something to switch it up yeah that's how i handle that so yeah. and then <laughs> when everything falls apart because someone can't pass their test you just call the most you know the closest person who's available <laughs> Yeah. And you hope it all works. <laughs> Normally one of these two. <laughs> I love them so much because they always have tests and they're always down to do anything. So, yay. <laughs> there you go. Micah, you were on another podcast called Deep Inside. Yes. Um, and you were you you were talking about this whole... What? Oh, <laughs> you put the name of the podcast to Jake's face. I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, but oh shoot. Oh, but you you would you were talking about how you've really started to do this transition into the behind the scenes, you know, 
for lack of a better term, stuff. Um, and there was one line and it stuck with me. Where is it? Oh, that you're not going to be young, dumb and full of cum forever. Yeah. And that's good advice, everybody, because you're fucking not. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it was really it was I was like, that's very, very true. I mean, especially for people in a, a physical industry, whether it be adult film, sports, theater, like whatever it is, eventually you hit a point where, you know, you age out of your bracket for that time being. You know, like, I'm not an ingenue anymore. It's not going to happen. I would love to say that I am, but I'm not, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just not. But so, like, I'm at the point now where it's like nothing really in my age range that I can either, like, play or play down. So I've just got to wait a little bit until, like, the roles come to me. But, like, being a jack of all trades, I, I think is just really smart. And it's it, it stuck with me for a few days after because I was like, Yeah. <laughs> And no, it's a great line. Thank you. Well, it's like I like me, I just turned 29, uh, like the week of Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And I not that I already feel my body falling apart, but it's like I know how my family ages. So like by 35, I'm gonna be in a wheelchair type thing. So I'm just like, okay, let me just act like I am not one of those people where it's like, I'm not gonna age like Angela Bassett. Like, let's just I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna do that. Like that is not in the cards for me. I do not have nearly enough money to make that work. So it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like I said, I fell into adult entertainment as like a joke. Like it was like okay, this will be like a fun side hustle, make some extra money, stuff like that. And over the past like four, four and a half years, it's just evolved into me. This is my full-time gig now. Like I roughly 20 days out of the month, I'm doing something porn related, whether it's editing, shooting, modeling myself, production is assisting, doing a bunch of different casting, like whatever, this is my job now. Um, And I knew like towards the beginning of last year it's like okay do i want to be in the gym six hours a day for the rest of my life and i was like no not even a little bit or at all so like i i started just looking at other options it's like okay like i went to school for social work i was like do i want to go back and do that and like i was let's just say there's a reason i don't do it anymore it's a very sad industry to work in um i knew and I didn't want to go back to school because like, I'm a good student, but I also hate being a student and I'm hardheaded as hell. So it's like, I didn't want to do that. Um, and I, for damn sure, I'm never going to wait tables again. So I was like, okay, so what can I do in the industry that I'm already in that I like working in and how can I grow from there? And, um, uh, one of my favorite directors, like told me like, oh, Hey, like I'm looking for like a production assistant. If you ever, like, if you know anyone and I was like, well, I'm interested. And he kind of like looked at me funny. Cause like, he's only ever like seen me do modeling stuff. Like he, mm-hmm. I never expressed interest before or anything like that. So he like brought me on and like I said, I'm sober. So it's like, it's funny. Like I don't show up with a hangover. I basically like shotgun two Red Bulls and just run around <laughs> like a psycho for the next eight hours. And like, and apparently people like that. So like, never gets the job done. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I started there and then just from from my background in social work and from being a model for so long and like knowing a bunch of different people, it's like helped me with casting. It's helped me with directing. It's helped me with blocking out stuff or knowing how to like finagle a shoot day or 
when I have a bottom that hasn't eaten since last night and it is now 6 p.m. the next day, I'm just throwing fruit snacks at them without saying anything. Look at you, Jake. <laughs> He's like just raising it. I'm just like throwing fruit snacks at them because I'm like, it won't mess up your stomach. Go for it. Okay, <laughs> like, so um, just taking like past experiences and adapting it, it's become really helpful for me. So. Yeah. I will say this, but working with Mike, I've worked with Micah as a director, uh, well, him directing me, plus as an assistant, I have learned so much from him. And it helps that we're friends, too. It's easy for me to talk to him like, hey, you know what, I'm not comfortable in this particular situation, or this is great. And it's easier to talk to someone that I know versus somebody that I don't know. It, it just it makes me feel a lot more comfortable on set. And then for him knowing me when I started to where I am now and hearing him saying that I've gotten so much better and more comfortable on screen, it feels really good. It really feels good to have somebody like that and to yeah. have somebody that I know truly know because we saw each other at the gym earlier today right. <laughs> we got the same trainer <laughs> we all have the same trainer yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to know that to know someone who truly has my back yeah. in this industry means so much to me yeah and, There's and, that, yeah and it's not just and it's not like a a fake oh you look you're doing great you're doing this it's great to know that. Plus ha- having a person of color also who's been in the business for a minute, who's truly looking out for both of us. It's it's not, it's not every day you find somebody like that, who is mm-hmm. genuinely looking out for not only themselves, but everyone around them. It's yeah. rare. And that's why we love him. Yes. Yeah. Because he's so professional. Aww. He's so damn good at what he does, mm-hmm. but he's also got a lot of heart. And we were like, we we all there's it's this nothing but love on set. That's why I cook for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was not sitting here trying to cry. Let's <laughs> <laughs> it's that level of trust, and it's so important no matter where you are. But to have that 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 level of trust, I think, is is super important. Absolutely. Um, Dylan, you've also gotten into, hold on, let me just look. And I have to tell you only because I think you guys might find it funny, <laughs> but there was an article written about you and it's on edgemedianetwork.com, which when I have it copied down here, <laughs> but it's the whole URL. I didn't pay attention to the logo when I looked at it. So I'm looking at it and I was reading it the other day and I'm like, what the fuck is edgemedianework.com? Cause it's all, I just completely ignored. I was like, why is that? <laughs> it's not, it's edge media network, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but also if, <laughs> if there's a network domain for edge me, Diane, I strongly suggest someone get it. <laughs> Just one solo chick just edging everybody. 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 (laughs) (laughs) She's the yeah. She's great. We love Diane. Um excuse me. But um it was it it was talking about you become you you're the first brand ambassador for Noir Mail? No, no. Oh okay, great. That was yeah, yeah. So yeah, but yeah. I kind of, you know, I, I like to say that um, 
Micah is on the express train when it comes to uh, directing and all the stuff that he does behind the scenes. And I'm more on the local train. <laughs> I'm doing some of the same things, but he's doing a lot more of it. Or he's on the metro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the Uber pool. <laughs> and I done missed my stop. And I'm just going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, as Brandon Bassner, I got the opportunity to write some of the scripts for Noir Mail and, you know, get my feet with, with directing. And that was a lot of fun, but I really love performing and I'm not ready to um, divert too much energy away mm-hmm. from that. So, you know, obviously, like, we, you know, we discussed earlier, we got a plan for the future. We're not going to be young, dumb and full of cum forever, which is the damn crew. And so you've got a plan ahead. And so, you know, you know, practicing, getting my feet wet, doing a little bit here and there, but I just love performing so much. So I try to do that more than anything else. I love that. What would you guys say? um, What does it take to be successful in the adult film industry? Like when you're talking about like work ethic and integrity and all the things that like go into that, what would make, you know, like, like a 10 out of 10 what would make you guys, you know? Reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, um, focus. Tenacity. You know, tenacity. Uh, you have million to have, dollar word. You have to have a thick skin Very. in this mm-hmm. business because regardless of how good you think you look or how well you think you perform, there's going to be somebody somewhere who is going to tear you down. Someone mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to give you that negative critique and a, a thousand positive comments, you're going to stick to that one negative critique and it's going to bug you. And it's like, you, you can't please everyone. I don't care what job you have, what mm-hmm. you're doing in life, you can't please everyone. So mm-hmm. don't let those negative comments tear you down. Mm-hmm. Use that to build on. And you, you have to have a tough skin in this industry. And if you're not getting booked every other week, don't take it personal. It's not you. It's like Micah said earlier, you have to use other people sometimes or people are going to get bored with this particular individual. Like person X is, you know, in everything. I'm tired of seeing this person. I I have to, or the studio or whoever it is, you have to bring in new people or refresh some of the people that you've used a couple of months ago, just to, to, to switch it up a little bit. So don't take things in this business too serious. Um, I'm going to speak personally on this. You have to be on your, be on your toes. You have to be on your hustle. You have to make yourself known that you are available to work with. You have to be easygoing. Don't come into a studio or to a shoot thinking you are that bitch because (laughs) someone's going to remind you that you are not. (laughs) You You are easily replaced. I don't care how many scenes you've done, how popular you are, you come in humble because that studio, or even if it's an OnlyFans type of thing, that person didn't have to choose you. They could have easily selected somebody else, but they chose you for that project. Be grateful for it Mm -hmm. and come in humble, come in ready to work, come in prepared. If there's a script, learn your lines. 
I'm not saying maybe they, they're, you memorize them, but at least know them. Memorize them. Mm-hmm. If you're bottoming, come prepared. I'm so as a bottom, I show up to set ready. <laughs> I'm ready two days beforehand. <laughs> Already. <I'm ready. laughs> when did you eat? Two weeks ago. <laughs> but and you know, sometimes your body just says no, bitch. Right? I'm not. So sometimes you just have to deal with it, but you know, and then, and I would also say in this industry, in, in this industry, roll with the punches, no matter how well prepared everyone is, something is always going to go wrong or not the way that things plan. So just be prepared to adapt. Mm -hmm. I think it also helps to have a really healthy amount of respect for the industry mm-hmm. and the people that you're working with. This is, it's like a real job. It's legit. Yeah. This is not like a little side hustle. It's a legit yeah. job. And if you treat it that way, it'll treat you well. You know, right. if you treat it like it's a little side hustle, then you're not going to last very long. No. Um, right. But yeah. And then, so you did touch on the, 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 you know, being prepared as a bottom, but also be prepared as a top. It's we waste so much time waiting for tops to get erect for their scenes for their you know to perform like do what you got to do. There's pills, there's shots, there's lots of little things that one can do. Yeah. Well, text whoever you need to think about whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. I will say, sometimes I don't pop much, but sometimes it is. Shut up, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. And the for me, but you have supplies. I true. You come to set with your supplies. Even but even then, if my if I'm not attracted to the person that I'm on set with, my body is already telling me something completely different. So no matter what I'm putting in my body, a pill or a shot to get there, mm-hmm. it, my natural reaction is it, it's just not quite always yeah. there. I've not been in that particular situation where I'm topping but I'm bottoming and trying to get hard. One, I'm, I have stage fright, like crazy. I get so nervous in front of other people. If it's me and one other person, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You throw that third person in there. Then you throw a cameraman and a sound person in there. And then <laughs> someone in the background telling you what to do. He's gotten so much better with it. He really but has. Don't have, let him fool you. Don't no, let him but, fool you. But not everyone's like that. I'm getting yeah. be- I'm getting better at it because I'm forcing myself to. Like mm-hmm. I'm literally forcing myself to walk around the set naked mm-hmm. because that's the, that's the only way I'm going to get comfortable. He still has trouble talking about douching on set, where the rest of us talk about it like it's just like you Open know we're talking him. about bagels, Did right? You- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he still blushes. <laughs> that's that's a necessary conversation. It is. We don't it want is. the un. You know, you know, little accidents. We try to avoid as many accidents as possible. Mm-hmm. We all know how the human body works, but we like to avoid running into any problems. Yeah, we can. right. And just to like piggyback off of what Dylan was saying, like I've seen it happen so many times where it's like somebody in just the short number of years, like I've been in the industry, and people they come in, they do like two scenes. They get like a hundred thousand followers on Twitter and their only fans is popping. Noted. They've only been here for like two months. So then <laughs> it's kind of like me at like my restaurant jobs when I got like my 90 days, like after like the probationary period. Right. 
And then it's like, I go from like being like showing up to work on time to like, just like a bitch. Like, it's like I'm showing up late with the Starbucks. Like I'm not ready. <clears throat> my apron's messed up. I didn't wear my non-slip shoes. Like I'm just like showing up completely wrong. And I've seen it happen on set with porn. Like people yeah. just show up, like they'll show up late. They'll have an attitude. They didn't bring the right wardrobe. Like they're talking back on set to the directors or whatever. Like, and very quickly, they're never heard from again. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they can be like an Adonis and God's gift to man and whatever, and like look great. Mm-hmm. But like, the way to stay around long at any job, including this one is by being a good employee or a good contractor, or whatever. Like mm-hmm. if people don't want to work with you <laughs> because right. of your attitude, they're not going to work with that's, you. <laughs> yeah, right. That's huge. I mean, I, I've worked numerous jobs where with, with what I can say that I worked at Apple. Well, if not, um, <laughs> if not, yeah, but I did, but, um, but there, there's such a mentality there of like, this place would fall apart without me. And I'm like, bitch, no, it won't. You are the most replaceable. It is. They it have is an ex- 75 applications today. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you see that group of people in the front interviewing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they have the open interview sign on the door, girl. Like, yeah, it's like they're like, not worried. <laughs> you are you are nothing special if you think that you have that. And you might be, you actually might be, but like you won't be treated like you're something special having that attitude, no matter where you are. Right. Like work work ethic is is important. It's always like been something that's been important to me. I think probably just because it was like instilled. But I've I've always been like, oh shit, I could get replaced at any time. Let's do this job here. Did it today. Um but but yeah. Let's talk about um a little bit of the safety protocols that are in place for when you're working with r- really wherever, whether it be uh you know personal OnlyFans type stuff or whether it be with like a big studio. What kind of protocols are in place to make sure that you guys are safe and healthy and stay safe and healthy first i think that's yeah i think that's how i wanted to phrase it i don't know go ahead sorry we understand um everyone needs to be tested Mm -hmm. especially with COVID. i mean everyone on set gets tested so regardless if you're performing or not so if you're behind the scenes you're getting a COVID test you have to pass that COVID test to even step foot on the set. Mm-hmm. If you're performing, you do a full panel. They're testing for everything under the sun. That is, I think, one of the biggest um, stigmas about working in the adult industry is that we, we don't test and that we're right, having we random sex with everyone and anything to, to make a buck. Right. Which, in my experience, Every shoot that I have been on, everyone has been tested. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Meanwhile, I haven't been safer than uh, <coughs> when I started working in adult entertainment. You know, like just hooking up with randoms, whoever mm-hmm. it was, you know, before working in porn. You don't know what their status is. You don't know when their last test was. You don't really, you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in porn, I have a pretty good idea of when the last time, you know, my scene partner was tested. I mean, obviously things will happen every now and then, mm-hmm. but I feel like the rate at which it happens from when I was an amateur to a professional is different. Mm-hmm. And that's, I agree with you. That is definitely one of the statements is that we are, you know, passing up diseases back and forth or viruses or germs or whatever, back and forth to each other. We're really trying our best not to do that, yeah. especially on the studio level. At the studio level, it is a requirement. Every mm-hmm. single 
14 days, we are tested our full panel for everything. And then COVID is what, 24 to 48 hours. And it's constantly changing depending yeah. on, you know, what, right. where, where we are. Yeah. There's variation. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but <coughs> that's big. And what was the question? What were we talking about? Uh, oh. uh, safety. <laughs> safety. Oh. Safety <laughs> protocols. <laughs> Holds up his drink. Hey. Oh, my. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know there where was, we're going with this. Is someone else? There was a- actually there was just one thing that I I realized after I asked the question and I wrote it down. And of course, I don't remember which one of you it was, but one of you was on another podcast. I listened to all of you because I was like, this is the most amount of people I've ever had at one time on my show. So I was like, oh, this could be five hours. This could be 30 minutes. So I wanted to hear how you all answered questions. <laughs> just, you know, because I didn't know if it's five hours, it? it's five hours, you guys. It's just gonna be a long episode. <laughs> um, but one of you had mentioned something about it was either an app or a website that you could... It, upload your your test results to i that was made, probably me talent testing services talent um, testing services that was it yeah that was probably because i talk about it all the time just because like both dylan and jake were saying i've run into it like just if i'm like at like a club gig or like on grinder or like whatever and people are like oh come over right now and i'm like legit one of my first questions with anyone which really thins the herd very quickly is okay when's the last time you tested and they're like oh well like so say right now it's january when we're filming this yeah i'm like when's the last time you were tested and they were like oh well last march and i'm like okay well no girl (laughs) but i'm on prep and i'm like me from being a social worker i was like well if you're on prep then that means you have to get tested every three months so where are you getting your illegal prep from first of all probably black die. market prep yeah right <laughs> um and then they're like well you're you do porn and you do only fans like yeah, i'm sure right. you fuck around i was like i work and i do like shoots and stuff like that but i'm also tested every two weeks i'm tested yeah. and they're like wait what and I was like, yeah, like I'm tested twice a month. So is my scene partner. I pull it up on my phone to make sure that they are good <laughs> from a database. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, so have a good night. <laughs> they're like, oh, take a good okay. one. Like, and it's, it's just like, it's something I've run into a lot or yeah. in general, but it's, it's very funny. Like being like friends and like partners with like other sex workers and stuff like that. Like all of us, it's like, Oh yeah. What are you doing? Oh, just on my way to talent testing. Okay. Oh, I'm coming with you. I'll see you there. Like, it's like, <laughs> like we're just, it's so much like just a part of like our daily lives. That yeah. Part of our culture. Like, yeah. Yeah. Me, I'm COVID tested at this point, fucking three, four times a week. Oh yeah. No anything yeah. in the fucking world. Yeah. But I go get my PCR and keep it pushing. Like, it's like, <laughs> I get yeah. my, I know every other, Monday or Tuesday, I go and I get my full panel and I have my results by Wednesday. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you should be getting tested every time you are with a new sex partner who you do not know their status of. Yes. Period. And sentence. Like, that is why shit keeps going around. That's why during yeah. COVID, when we're not supposed to be touching people, all of the STD rates through the roof. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. people are like, I'm worried about COVID. I don't have to worry about this. It's like, okay, well, that's why we have a new variant of gonorrhea. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the is through the roof. <laughs> it's like, it's like so if you're having was, a new sex partner, you should be getting tested, period. Yeah. We were in California last week and I just happened to be listening to the news. My mm-hmm. aunt was watching it. 
And they said the syphilis cases in California have gone up 700%. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Syphilis tsunami is what they're calling yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> syphilis. <laughs> like, like, here's, here's what pisses me off about some, some of the people who are, some people who just go out and have random sex with people like, oh, well, you can just get a shot for that. Well, if you understand what syphilis actually is, yeah, it, it's, it is, it gets into your blood, but it stays in your system. Yeah. Even though you get a shot, one shot or three shots, depending on how long it's been in your system, mm-hmm. it stays in your system. It, is yeah. all there. it right. doesn't go away. Right. And then um, not only that, it also has a negative effect on your nervous system. It can start affecting your eyesight, your mm-hmm. functionality, your brain, everything else. So it's not just, oh, I can just get a shot mm-hmm. or a couple of pills and call mm-hmm. it all right. good. Right. This kind of it's going to go on a tangent, everybody. So buckle up. But um, there's, and this has been my platform since episode two, uh, in that I am a full supporter of the fact that the sexual education in the country and maybe a little bit of the world is is set up to fail you. It's terrible. It doesn't make any sense. And there is no, like, I mean, there are some states. And wherever you are, wherever you're listening, Google what the sexual education legal requirements are to have, because you will be very surprised to find out that like, some places are just required to teach HIV education only. Some places are required to teach sex education and not HIV education. Some states do both, and that's great. Not one state in the whole United States is required to teach consent. Like it's it, it's It's truly shocking when you look up, and I'm sure... That's not to say that some schools don't. It's just not actually legally required what? for a for a school curriculum in any state to teach consent. Yep. And it like and so not even a, like if you're talking about like any sort of STDs or uh, things like that, any diseases, but like just I mean, one of the things that we're going to be talking about in our next little section here are the stigmas that come with you know, like STDs and things like that, the stigmas that come with homosexuality, you know, transgender, things like that. You don't learn about those things in sex education because no one required, like your sex education curriculum is decided by a school board of white people who haven't been fucked in years. So like, who are we, how can we trust them? You know what I mean? Like we learned that like a man and a man meant homosexuality and a woman and a woman meant lesbian. And that's where like, granted, I'm from bumfuck nowhere, like the middle Oh, you know, whatever. So it's not surprising, but, but like it, it furthered that stigma of like, well, if you're gay, you're that's, that is terrible. Like, you know, there's no way to relate. There's no, we don't, we don't learn about douching. You had to figure that shit out on your own. Uh-huh. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I literally made it talk about it as a joke. And like the amount of people where it's like, Oh my God, thank you. I didn't know to rinse out the saline. I didn't know to like, like, because no one fucking you don't know. Them. You don't we, know. We had to hope that some elder gay mm-hmm. came down and said, "Hey, girl, kitty, right. <laughs> kitty, right. let me help you." Out. I got you, boo. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I made a joke in like the second episode. I was like, "Do you when like when you talk about 
homosexuality. I'm like, I didn't know what to do. Like your only reference is porn. And I was like, do you know how many pizza delivery guys I had to have sex with where I realized that that's not what love is. <laughs> and they're just ready. <laughs> just every- <laughs> you know, like I can't bend over my kitchen counter. It's too high. And my arms don't. Work. <laughs> so like, that's you know, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's it all goes back to like education, and that's my soapbox for the day. Thank you, everyone. Um, so since we're talking about stigmas, for the question for the group, what? Hold on, hold on. I took my glasses off like I thought I could handle this. Uh, what would you say would be the perception of people who work in the adult film industry that society gets wrong? what do you want the world to know about your careers? Like, what do you, what, what, what do we get wrong? What can I tell people? Um, it's not studio 54. This isn't <laughs> the nights. Right. Um, the way that Hollywood per- portrays the porn industry. It's not what it is today. Mm-hmm. Now I, I can't speak what it was like in the sixties and seventies. Cause obviously I wasn't around, but, um, there's not alcohol flowing on the set. There's not cocaine everywhere. People aren't show, always showing up high from going out the night before, or, you know, we're not passing diseases to everyone and we're all not de- de- degenerates. Right. You know, we didn't come out the womb talking about, Hey, I'm a porn star. Right. <laughs> we all had jobs or careers beforehand. I have two degrees. I went to school. I was a supervisor in a call center um, for at a job at a multi-billion dollar company for almost nine years um, before I fell into this industry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we all had lives beforehand and don't let what you see on TV completely jade you from what the adult industry is mm-hmm. because it's not. It is literally the complete opposite. It's almost like having that glamorous job that you've always wanted and you always dreamed of and then you get it and it's absolutely nothing that you thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Literally, you thought it was going to be rainbows and lollipops and it's (coughs) gray walls and thumbtacks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't all do this out of desperation. We don't do this as a last option, as an only resort. I mean, we're, you know, very smart and talented people. And there are a lot of different things that we could be doing, but we do this by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people have different reasons for for that. Um, I really like to, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I really like to think about what I do as therapeutic in a way, mm-hmm. as educational in a way, um, sometimes mm-hmm. empowering. Um, like you said earlier, we don't have classes. We don't, we don't talk about anal douching and maybe that's not something that we cover in porn, but (laughs) it's, 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 it's kind of like that where you get to see, oh, that's what two guys look like having sex. Those are some of the things that you can do. And it's like, if you, you know, approach it in a way that is healthy and empowered and you're treating each other with respect, you can show people how to have sex, how to be Mm -hmm. happy, how to, you know, please one another without it being dirty mm-hmm. or, or sorted. Um, another one of the stereotypes were like addicts and, 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 you know, passing diseases. We're not <laughs> that exists in everywhere. That exists everywhere. 
but not more so in porn. In fact, we are really doing everything we can to prevent that. You Absolutely. Know? Like you're not allowed to come to work high. If you mm-hmm. do that on set, you're, you're out. If you show up high, you're, you're out. Yeah. You know, you, your test, if you can't pass your test, you have to be replaced for that day. And then they'll book you again when you're feeling better. When you I know mean, what I mean? That's when I get a phone call. Hey, are you available? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm actually waiting for a text back now. Um, what to do? (laughs) (laughs) And then I think the other stigma or just stereotype that I find very funny is that people think that we have this like super hot, like nothing but pleasure filled job without taking into account that in order for the camera to see most of the angles and penetration and for us to make it look good, we're all to a certain degree contortionists. Like none of that shit feels good. Like it's like, like even like the regular, even doggy style. Like that shit hurts. Like we got it. Rarely feels good. At like all. you gotta make sure the abs are popping. You gotta flex an arm while we're doing it. Like we leave with cramps and like aches and pains. Oh, the first time I got a Charlie horse filming, I thought I was about to die. Noted, I'm like inside of someone and like my fucking side just seizes. And I was like, this is it. If this is how I go, this is it. Right. Like, so like our, our job, it looks very hot, <laughs> but like it's, our job is to create the fantasy. Yeah. Like, and like kind of like Dylan was saying, it's like, yes, we are in these positions that everyone like knows and loves or that it might be new for you mm-hmm. that you can then take and go and do with another partner and do all that. But even us creating it, we mm-hmm. aren't doing the regular position. <laughs> like it's like, we're still turning yeah. away. That this is what you should be looking like, but when you're doing it at home, it's completely different. Right. <laughs> like, right. So People don't keep that in mind. <laughs> like, hopefully, you're on a surface that won't slip out from under you, or you're not stepping on lube. <laughs> hopefully, you're not on a marble countertop. I swear to God, if I'm on another one of those, <laughs> like, hopefully, you're not in a car. <laughs> the last scene I just shot, I was on a bathroom sink. I'm so sorry. It was, it was like, you know, sinks are hard, but this sink was like hard. And the way that we were going at it, because of the angle and the cameras could only get into certain places because otherwise you'd see the other camera. Mm -hmm. Trying to get off that sink pinch, the bottom of my back. It hurt so bad. I had to take like five minutes Mm -hmm. to recoup before shooting. Yeah. Not complaining. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, it's I'm not complaining about it. It was just one of those like, in a normal situation, I'd be in a bed. <laughs> right. You're like I yeah. don't. The the side of a bathtub doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> um. So the, all of those you know sort of stigmas that you guys gave me, how does that wind up affecting you? personally like in your own personal lives whether it be like day-to-day whether it be your love life whether it be i guess that's it you <laughs> end know of list 
Yeah. It's funny because when I started working in adult entertainment, I just assumed that I was going to be single. And I was like, all right, I'm okay with that. Because that's the hardest part, I think, yes. is dating when you're in adult. I mean, everybody thinks you're gonna you're a good time. So they want to be your friend and they want to have a good time. They want to go to places that you're they think you're going to. <clears throat> Meanwhile, I'm just going to the supermarket and the gym. But other people go out. So, you know, if if they're looking for a good time, then they want to be around you because they think you're going to have a good time going on Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. But when you're talking about like building a relationship with someone, people might think that they're okay with it at first. And then when when you have to lead them to go to work, things kind of start to change when they start seeing you online or their friends can see you online or their families can see you online. It it, it changes things. So it could be very isolating. Um, for me, it was great that I found someone who does the same thing that I do for a living. And Micah can, you know, talk about this too. You know, we had this understanding, you know, we, we have this respect for one another. We realize that that's work and that it's, 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 it's okay. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. I'm not worried about it. Like, I'm like, yeah, go get that money. You know, go do, go do your yeah. job. Go do a great, have yeah. a great day. Yeah. I'll see you tonight. I'll pick you up later and we'll go have drinks or we'll, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll make a pot pie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Both are options that they will very much do. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Who doesn't love making a pot pie? I am literally oh thinking about dinner right now. So going off of what Dylan, Dylan was talking about, when I got into this industry, I was single. Mm-hmm. When then I slowly started seeing someone. And before things you know, went to that next level, I told them, like, hey, this is what I, this is what I do, or this is what I'm planning on doing. I've already shot two scenes. Um, and are you okay with it? If not, I'm okay with that. We will go our separate ways. But they told me that they were. And I mm-hmm. literally broke it down. I was like, are you sure? Because I could be in a six-man gangbang. I could have somebody shooting their stuff all over my face and I'm going to take a shower, catch a plane and then come back to you. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. This person said, yes. Then COVID hit and you know, nothing happened, you know, for that, for, for me anyways, for that. Right. Or well, well, your first scene was 2019, right? So you didn't. Yeah. So happened like yeah. basically March kind of everything shut down. It's right. And, um, we okay, so but then during that time, I was doing um, on, trying to do stuff on OnlyFans, trying to do stuff on Twitter and take pictures of myself here and there and post them just so people wouldn't forget about me or like, mm-hmm. okay, when you know the world comes back to normal, I could get some work slowly but surely. This person's insecurity started showing up, yeah. they're trying to be supportive, but still a little bit insecure and then when um i finally booked something and had to fly out that's when the true insecurities happen and i was like you know this isn't going to work i know that you say that you're okay with it but you're literally questioning everything that i'm doing if i'm posting something if i'm on a live chat with someone um i was on a one of those um, websites where you people can tip you Mm -hmm. um and then you know, if I'm liking somebody's stuff on Twitter, you're making comments like, oh, you really like that? You want to do that? I'm like, just because I liked it doesn't mean I want to do it. So it was a very, it was really hard for me to try to maintain Jake and then my personal life. Mm-hmm. 
So I was like, you know what? I, 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 I appreciate everything we've been through in this last few months, but this isn't going to work out. It's, mm-hmm. it's not working. And then a couple of months later, this one shows up. Talk about, <laughs> hey, I hear you're single now. Come to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> he's in an interview, and in the interview, he talked about how he's newly single, and I jumped on the opportunity. I was like, um, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Interview's not even done. He's yes. on the phone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Is that me talking in the background? Yes, I haven't paused the interview. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Immediately but, after. But it is but it is great to have someone who understands what I do for a living. And knowing that me as a bottom, I'm going to go out and when I get casted. I'm being cast as a bottom. It's rare that I'm I'm, I'm topping somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like, is there, je- is there jealousy? I, I don't know, but it's, it's literally for me is I'm not jealous. Baby, go out and get that check because <laughs> we have plans. Yeah. We have a long, we have a long-term goal. Yeah. But to get to from A to B, <clears throat> We have our A to Z. We have all of these little things that we have to do in between. So we need to get that money. We need to get that money. We need to get that check. And I make a comment all the time. And I, I say this funny. And I said that to Micah earlier. I'm like, is there a check involved? <laughs> <laughs> is there a check? I'll do it. Is there a check? Yeah. I mean, shoot, like how, I mean, the majority of the world, I mean, I think would side with i would too i'm like, like if someone asked me to like you know do uh do a show or, or be in one of their like films or anything like that i'm like yeah what's it pay mm-hmm. right as you all sit here for free um <laughs> uh oh fuck i think my funniest like story of like Micah invading my personal life. So I have an older brother um, and I know he listens to some of my stuff because he's super supportive and he's super gay, like fully lives like in San Francisco and works for like AIDS research gay, like very gay. Um, um, And with that means he knows a lot of other gays um, that happen to watch porn. So when I met some of my brother's friends, they were like, wait, are you and I was like, we're not. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and they're like, do you know? And I'm like, you know, I do. Stop it. <laughs> it's like, and just, and like, it'll happen sometimes where it's like, my brother will just like text me, like, you popped up on another site. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. Like, I have to like almost forewarn him, hey, don't go on this site anymore. Sorry about it. <laughs> like, it's like, sorry. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but at this point, it's, it's not even that it's an issue. He's, like, super supportive. Like, he even, like, will post jokes about it on, like, Twitter and everything like that. Like, uh, I think it was, like, Mother's Day last year. He posted. Um, it was, like, a fake conversation, but he posted this, like, uh, little blurb or whatever. And was, like, the best part of this Mother's Day was my mom asking my brother what he did for work again. <laughs> and, like, and, like, noted, like, my mom knows we have very like life happens. We have very like a strange relationship. Like we're good, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So she knows what I do. And it's kind of like, try me ho. Like whatever. <laughs> like what bills you pay. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I do? like everything like that. 
Um, <laughs> so, but um, just the like ability to have fun with like my older gay brother about like my job. <laughs> like, but he's like, yeah, clearly I'm not watching. He's like, but all my friends do, and they love you. And I was like, well, that's nice. <laughs> he was like, well, one of them is arguing with me why you should be allowed to sign up for your OnlyFans. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, oh, I, like, I was like, tell him I'll appreciate and give him a discount if he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's extremely interesting, and I, I'm not sure if it's rare or not, but my family knows what I do. I told them. Mm-hmm. Your family knows what you do. Well, after I started dating this one, I figured that our moms would meet at some point, and if my mom found out from his mom, it would be a bigger issue. So I had to have the conversation with her at that point. Yeah, I'm a just... She said I go-go danced, but I didn't tell her that I also did porn. And then yeah. When I finally told her that I also do porn, she's like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> they know. She well, said, I showed up to my aunt's um, last few years ago, her 4th of July party, the bathing suit that I was wearing <laughs> gave it away. I was like, my <laughs> aunt gave it away. Your bathing suit gave it away. <laughs> you know, she says, yeah, that's a porn suit. Though. <laughs> oh, I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes total sense to me. See, my mom like found out like I told her when like when I first like got into it, I was like oh yeah I'm gonna start doing some modeling and she's like oh what kind I was like adult modeling mom adult modeling she was like okay <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and, and like it's funny whatever she asks she'll be like so how's the modeling going like just like dancing around I'm like it's good mom she's like okay and she'll never go in depth about it she just wants to make sure i'm like doing good. You're good. Interesting. Uh, my mom yeah. wants to know like all the details she's like she wants 10%. yeah she wants 10%. I'm like, i made that <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, the house gets 10 percent. yeah where's my cut <laughs> But like, so she helped me move out here to Vegas. Like we drove from Kansas City to Vegas. And as we get here, she's asking both of us, okay, what shoots do you guys got lined up? Where do Aww. I need, when do I need to watch the dog? Who's going to be here? Where are you guys going? How much money are you making? Let me know when you get there, when you get back. I'm like, oh my God, mom, she's, but I will say this about my mom. My mom has always supported me from day one, like from, mm. from birth till now. She may not always agree with my decisions and what I do, but she's always been supportive and she will always give me her opinion, whether I ask for it or not. <laughs> Tell me. <clears throat> but she's always been there. Same. Love that. Same. It's that unconditional love. You got to love it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, fuck. So, just to change topics a little bit. Um, oh, fuck. I almost knocked over the whole drink. And by whole drink, I mean half of the drink. But either way, it wouldn't <laughs> have been you, great. Like, yeah. Are you actually drinking that? Like, every time you pick it up, it looks like it's at the same height. <laughs> I know. I like it really does. Lips and then putting it down. I'm not, it's not my favorite thing. Like, okay. now that I've, like, gotten to, like, halfway through, it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of looks a little bit like, you know, Fabuloso or something like that. Windex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's also like I can feel it's starting to like hit that like point right here where it's just like here's a little warm. So I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. you know, don't want to end this 
slurring, but you know, I guess it's my brand. <laughs> this this sort of question is for Jake. Um, and you were you were kind of touching a little bit about the the sort of life before um, getting into like the adult film industry, and they're like the person who was like not entirely sure if this is what I want. Um, but earlier in December, you were on another podcast. And I'm not entirely sure of what the name is because I think it might have three names, but it's so, called Wyatt. Yes. Exclamation yeah. point. The Wyatt podcast uh-huh. with Wyatt Brian Evans. Yes. There were just, it was, it was, I was, I was confused okay. uh, <laughs> about what to actually refer to it as, but it was, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant interview. It was uh, really, he's hilarious. His laugh is incredibly infectious. Um, but uh, it was it was really powerful, and it was um, I, I I thought incredibly uh, brave, and it talked about sort of um, some physical and emotional and sexual abuse that you uh, and sexual abuse and the abuse and the culture that protects abusers um, that you went through uh, pretty much from a fairly young age up until late twenties, I believe, yes. um, from what I wrote down. Um, and I have sort of two questions that go with it, but if you're comfortable and would want to talk about that experience or however much you are comfortable talking about that experience and sort of what that interview process was like. Um, and then I have two questions for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the show. I talked about um, a couple of different things, how when I was younger, I was um, sexually abused by my babysitter's, I don't know if I went into detail, but I was I was sexually abused by my babysitter's older two sons, and it was it was one of those moments or events in time where you you wish it didn't happen, but it happened, and it happened when I was so young. It's at this point in age, it, it's a, a a hazy memory, mm-hmm. but the one part that sticks out the most that I've always remembered is them walking me down the hallway to the back room. Oh, okay. Hold on. No, no, take your time. Um, Closing the door and then asking me to, or telling me to get on my knees. And then I see the door close. That's literally what, that's what I remember. Everything else after that is kind of hazy. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know how long that lasted. I really don't. I don't know how, if it was a few weeks, months, whatever the situation. Um, and then the second, the second part was um, me being raped when I was 20, 21 in Los, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, met a guy online. We chatted for months months it was a great conversation where everything is going fine i end up meeting this guy and then you know we're back in the room he gives me a drink and obviously when he opened the beer he slipped something in it and i didn't know until it was too late at that particular point in time i just felt stupid i was like how in the world could i put myself in this particular situation you know, all the movies you watch about stuff like this, all the, 
you know, t- conversations your parents have with you about stuff like this. Here I am, paralyzed, and in this situation. And it was just, it was just a bad, it was a bad situation. So luckily enough, I didn't catch anything. You know, it was mm. horrible situation. I didn't catch anything. I told my brother and my sister about it years later, years later. My brother was pissed. My brother was so pissed. He's like, what's this guy's name? Where did he live? My brother was literally going to catch a flight to LA and go kick this guy's ass. I have no idea who this guy is. Not a clue. If I could walk by him today and have no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, 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 the most traumatic part of my early life uh not saying that i'm old (laughs) but is the um it's the the six-year relationship that i was in and just being physically and mentally abused that hurts the most because i had resources that i didn't know that i had and just to know that i could have easily picked up the phone to call anybody and talk about it to anyone. I just didn't understand it. And I didn't know at the time because in a relationship, you're blind. You truly think that, hey, this is what it's supposed to be like, you know, or this person is just going through a bad day. And that's the fun, not, not funny, not funny. But the funny part is I'm listening to um, a Destiny's Child CD, and it's um, Kelly Rollins is singing about you know she's making excuses for her man, saying that you know he's just having a bad day at work. I'm you know I'm giving him stress and I'm not making it easy. Literally, the, the, the lyrics are going through my head. But her girlfriends, Beyonce and Michelle, are basically telling my girl, "I'm your girl, right?" <laughs> 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 you know everyone outside can see what's going on but you're in it and you don't see it you're just that blind the light bulb went really went off for me is when his mom told me that i could do better oh. and i'm like oh that was that was a moment and from that moment I took action. I went and got a therapist. I started talking to my therapist about everything that was going on, regardless of how big or how small it was. I talked about it and it allowed me to find me. When I lived in Kansas city back in 2001, when I moved to St. Louis, I was 130 pounds. I worked out. I played sports. When I left that relationship, I was 120 pounds and unhealthy. I, you would not recognize the same person. I was literally mm-hmm. walking around on eggshells. I was having panic attacks every other day. I was passing out because I wasn't eating. It was just a bad relationship. And I got through it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I luckily got through it. And there's so many people who don't because they stick it out or don't know who to talk to. And it, beco- it can become deadly. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments that I lived it. I refused to live it again. 
I refuse to not tell my story because there are so many people who have are going through it or who have gone through it, but don't know what to say or how to say it or who to talk to, mm-hmm. to let go of that anger, that, that frustration. Because for years after, I was mad. I was pissed off at the world, but I was really pissed at that particular person. But I, and I was like, you know what? I'm allowing myself to be angry and wasting so much energy on a person who's no longer in my life. Mm-hmm. Let me be happy. Let me go out and find happiness. And I did. So. Fuck yeah. I, I wanted to talk about this for two reasons. And then I realized while you were telling it that there's a third reason too. Um, and I, when I told you I had two questions, I lied. I had one, but <laughs> <laughs> one of them's a point, but I, I wanted, because the bravery and courage that it takes to tell your story is fucking inspiring. And unfortunately it's not something that you always get to see mm-hmm. because of that same, like I said, there's that, there's that culture that protects the abusers and you might not hear about it and people might not be able to talk about it. And it's it, it's inspiring to see where you are from when I was listening to the interview and we had never, t- I don't think we had even messed. I don't think I had messaged you on Instagram at that point, but this is the first time we've ever spoke. And it's really bizarre to hear from someone me to you in this moment, because I don't know you, but it, there was, I was proud. I was like, this, this is a huge deal. And it's, it's very, it's great that you can tell your story and then the other reason being that like, if, if I wanted to talk about it, because if one person who is listening to this is going through any sort of abuse, there is help out there. There are resources, there are people, you know, it's, it's, it's not too late, you know, things like that. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Nice. Um, and the, the question that I have for you, because I was truly curious, and I might just be fishing, but um, what we what what friends of mine who have been through not exactly the same thing, but similar situations um, and some scenarios, it's very difficult for them to be one even just like physically like touched, but let alone be intimate with someone else. Um, and so in going into the world of adult film, I was so curious what that transition was like for you. Like, was, was there any trepidation or was it, you, you were welcomed into this community. I mean, you started off working with Shishi LaRue and, and this guy right here, Dylan. And, and so like, you know, there was a, you obviously have a wonderful support system. We're talking to two people right now, you know? And so what what was that what was that like sort of making uh, that jump into adult film actually it was really easy because um the people that i was working with were nothing like the the person that i was with yeah complete opposites in every dimension so it didn't bring it up um i was talking to a studio mm that was talking to me who wanted to do bondage and stuff like that. And I, I had to tell them like, Hey, this is what happened. And I, at point in that particular relationship, I was physically held down and I couldn't move. I was restrained and beaten 
and I couldn't move. So they're talking about, hey, we want to tie you up and restrain you and not beat me, but pleasure me. And, and I'm like, there were red flags going up. Yeah. And having a conversation with Dylan, like when we're having it, was like, I don't want to be handcuffed. I don't want to be strapped down. If I can't get out of a situation, it triggers something. Mm-hmm. Uh, even talking about it right now, just like I feel claustrophobic. Like I literally feel like there is a wall. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Take okay. your time. I feel like there's a wall around me and I know by talking about it, it helps, but it's, it's still, it's still there. Regardless, it's been 10, 12, at least 12 years since that's happened. But sometimes it, it feels like it was yesterday. And it hurts. It's fine. Oh, Lord. Excuse me. <laughs> thank you. No, I mean, and thank you so much for, for telling your story. Cause like, it's, it, it, if it ever doesn't feel like it truly know that it's incredibly brave and it's incredibly it, it, powerful. Your story is very powerful. And that is something that, even though the things that you went through can never be taken away from you is that you have a powerful story that can help people. And so thank you for telling it. And I use it as for a long time, I use it as a a crutch. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. Now I use it to, to tell the story, to empower other people. Even though it's very emotional. Yeah. It's still me telling my story and empowering myself and other people because No one should have to live that way. No. No one has the right to put their hands on you, to belittle you, and to do whatever they feel like they can to you. You have the power to speak up. And if that person doesn't like it, it's not you, it's them. It's it's hard to tell someone to leave somebody. It really is. You you being in that situation, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Take a step back. Take a step out of your relationship. If this was your friend telling you what they're going through, what advice would you give them? Take a long look at yourself in the mirror and be like, girl, you deserve better than this. You deserve more than this. Your life is so much more than this person putting their hands on you or belittling you. You may have nowhere to go. You... There is a friend, some friend, girl, call that person and say, I need to, I just need to disappear for whatever amount of time and to start my life over. Yeah. Believe me, you, there, there are connections. Hopefully, maybe at the end of this, you could put up some hotlines or somewhere mm-hmm. people can reach out to websites. There, is, there are people out there. And if you need someone to talk to, if you need to do the, the shout out to someone, you I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Jake underscore waters XX. Please reach out to me. I may not get to you in, like when you need me, but I, I will try to my, my best to re- to respond to you, to get back because I know what it's like. 
and, and call the hotlines 1-800. I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know what it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find it. We'll find it. We'll put it in. 1-800 help a girl. I don't know. <laughs> she out there. She out there. But yeah. this, this it, it helps. And it helps yeah. to find someone to talk to, even yeah. if it's a therapist. Like I said in my, in a, in a, in my podcast, mm-hmm. find a therapist. I think the, 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 the best thing for me was finding that therapist. Even if it's not a true therapist, find that one good friend that you know that won't tell your secrets. It's like Fort Knox. They will die before they tell your secrets. Yeah. Tell them what's going on. Because you, no one knows what you're going through until you tell them. Yeah. And tell the truth. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to cover it up and make excuses for this other person. Tell the truth. Yeah. I think you're fucking amazing. That really is one of the incredible things about this man. After all that he's been through, to still have the capacity that he, the capacity that he has to love and to trust and to help and support. I mean, that's incredible. It's, it would be easy. I've you know gone through a fraction of this, nothing even close to what he's been through. And there have been many a times in my life where I've just shut the fuck down. Like, just yeah. don't talk to me, don't touch me, leave me alone. I don't want any part of it. But he was still out there, like, telling his story, trying to help people, letting me in. Like, you know, like, you know at this point, I just feel like my job is to give him all the love and support that I can give him. Yeah. You know, yeah. I never want him to feel the way that he's ever felt. I never want to feel those feelings again. And I wish that for everybody. I hope that, you know, people can come out of their situations, learn from them and, and be stronger because of it. You know, mm-hmm. we all go through things in life. Um, it's, it's not that you fall. It's how you get up. Yeah. Amen. You know, fuck yeah. Won't he do it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh no. Oh. All right. Well, um well, let's talk about the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. The pandemic. <laughs> um oh. <laughs> How how did uh, how did the um and honestly Jake thank you so much for telling your story not to not give it a little button there at the end um but yeah the I was just curious like for the the pandemic for you guys because things did shut down how did that affect I mean we saw a huge spike I believe from what I've been told um by my friends who also started OnlyFans but we saw a spike in OnlyFans like because you were home you could do what you needed to do. Um, yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's right uh how did that sort of affect you guys how did you how how y'all doing did you make it through how are we old now we here we We here here. we survived it (laughs) (laughs) i mean obviously it was for everyone at first we didn't really know what to do we didn't know how long it was gonna last Mm -hmm. and you know you had to figure out a way to survive to make money to maintain your um, sanity. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people got busy and, and mm-hmm. started creating more content and yeah, they got busy. They got busy. <laughs> I had a quarantine, but like, obviously we weren't supposed to be out there interacting with other people. Right. So, you know, you were either doing stuff at home by yourself, or if you had like a, a quarantine community of people that you were like quarantined with and you could film stuff with them. 
Um, you know, I had a friend staying with me who was also in the adult business and we would do things together. Micah has like, I don't know, he had like, a, I felt like a, like a whole, the whole, a whole block. <laughs> but remember when they tried to bring me into that, that's when they shut us down. They were like, nah. They're like, y'all got too many friends. Like, y'all ain't all staying in this house. And it's like, okay, first of all, we are. Secondly, it was like... <laughs> It was like six of us. So like we had just like studios. It was six of us and like two of us knew how to like work a camera and shit. So like uh-huh. they just kept like, hey, can you shoot this for the us? Hey, can you shoot this for us? Stuff like that. Um, so it was like everything from like kink.com to like man up films um to fucking bareback that whole dude. It was like all these studios, like, everybody yeah. was buying content. Yeah, we were all producing our own content for our fan pages, Mm -hmm. but the the studios were also. (laughs) I I was in Kansas City being by myself. (laughs) The studios were also like you know buying content from us because they needed to keep their you know their fan base uh, happy, but Mm -hmm. you know obviously they weren't uh, producing stuff, so they started buying stuff from us. Mm-hmm. So it became a time when, like, you know, self-made or homemade or, or self-produced stuff was just, like, huge. Yeah. And you either had to figure out how to do it or you were just not going to be eating. Yeah. <laughs> and you all you all have an OnlyFans, right? Or some form, some something. All right. We'll throw yes. those in the notes, too. We'll get, you know, you never know who's going to follow. Yeah, we all hoes in our own way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, the, the <laughs> it sounds so terrible to say to wrap <laughs> to wrap it up with what I'm going to talk about, but um, in the middle of the pandemic, obviously we had Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and if you, everyone, we've we've had two episodes now um, talking about it, so every listener should know. But if you don't know, outrage sparked by the murder of George Floyd. Um, and protests all around the world uh, in solidarity of the Black Lives Matter movement. Definitely a lot of articles out there about the adult film industry and Black Lives Matter. Um, And I know, Dylan, you were in a documentary that is, I was going to ask you before we started recording, and now I feel stupid, but uh, it's called Being Black in Porn, directed by D'Angelo Jackson. Mikey, you're in it as well. Yes, and Dylan. Yeah, I got to the bottom of the drink, you guys. It's starting to become a struggle. <laughs> um, but it's, it it has not been released yet, right? I tried to watch it, but then I was like, oh, I can't. It's out, but it's doing um, oh. the, uh, what is it, the festivals. The, the, oh, okay. The, so it's not like out there, out there, but the but it, it's been stuff. released. Um, how? How did the Black Lives Matter influence the the industry as you guys knew it? And where are is it now? Wow. Okay. So, you know, at first, I mean, it, it became a time of reckoning, basically, mm-hmm. for the entire world. But also in our industry, you know, these people, performers, directors, studios were all being called out for their racist practices or, you know, the, the you know, not paying people the same amount for not booking people of color at the same volume for you know giving us you know scripts and to play or to, to act out that you know just were beneath secondary roles secondary roles supporting roles we were just kind of like you know unimportant right um, we we were just a warm dildo for the day like right right we were like, just 
you know, we were just penises or mm -hmm. depending, but whatever. Um, and, you know, at that time, it became, like I said, a time of reckoning and we had to really figure it out, walk mm -hmm. through it, talk through it. And, and there were some studios that were interested in doing better. They wanted to have these conversations. And I've had like round tables with a couple of different studios where they wanted to know, you know, how could we do better? How could we fix this? How could we mm -hmm. move forward? And it was the perfect time to do that because the entire world, we were all basically at home, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid each, try to avoid getting COVID. And so this was the perfect time to focus our energy on, 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 you know, making improvements for the future. And, you know, and that's what we did. The documentary was basically an opportunity for some of us to have a safe space to talk about the things that we've been through. Um, and, you know, kind of move forward from that. And, you know, I've said before, I've, I was really nervous about it. I was scared to talk about it. I didn't want to. Like, I am not a very political person. I kind of, you know, keep quiet and just kind of chug along, but I keep quiet. But I was encouraged by lots of different, you know, folks, lots of friends, um, colleagues. And they're like, you should really share your, you know, your experience. Mm -hmm. And I did. And then I couldn't shut up. <laughs> Once it came out, it, it, it yeah. I just the seal was broken, and I just couldn't stop. Um, but it was very, very, very important to me not to just, you know, vent, just to point fingers, just to complain. Um, I really wanted to be take the time and be constructive with it. And so I had to figure out, okay, how can we improve upon this? We know we have a problem. We know what the problem is. How can we improve upon it? And you know. That was my mission. Yeah, some of my little little things that I, you know, started writing. Mm -hmm. I got into writing because of that, you know, so I can make sure that people of color are being represented um, in a way that was respectful and 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 you know, um, honored us. Um, and then you know, also you know, in my little part, just my little community, just making sure that I was being paid the same amount that everybody else is being paid. Amen. Um, you know, I wouldn't take a job if it wasn't this particular amount. Yeah. I would actually review the scripts before showing up to work. If it was a scripted show or a scripted movie, I'm sorry, I would want to see the script. I would read it. And if it didn't feel right, I would say, listen, it doesn't feel right. We yeah. could either change it or you can hire someone else. I totally understand um, if you want to hire someone else. But never did any, never was I replaced. They apologized. Usually they just apologized and started making changes to the script. Um, so it became a time of reckoning and you could, I, I, I felt like there was two sides, either the side that was going to tear it down, tear down or the side that was going to rebuild it. And I decided I wanted to be part of the rebuilding. And then, you know, also Mark, Micah has his experiences, things that he's been through stories that we've, you know, I've heard from him, lots of conversations that we've had privately, uh, some of them that he's had in the documentary mm -hmm. and he did the same thing. He decided I'm going to step up. And I'm going to make a difference. And this is what I'm going to do. And he can talk more about that. But I respect him so much. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> oh, I am so Sorry, proud of him. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't... I'm actually really proud of Michael because I feel like I've seen you grow so much in just a short amount of time. We haven't known each other that long. But I've, I've watched you grow and I have so much respect for you. And I'm proud of you. And I'm so glad to be your friend. But also glad that you're out there making strides for men of color in the porn industry. Thank you. Fuck yeah. 
I did not think tonight was going to be <laughs> like at all. Um, yeah, yeah. With with Black Lives Matter, with the being black and porn documentary and stuff, I remember. I remember Dylan had to actually talk me into it because the one of the studios that was backing it, um, I had some disagreements with them prior because of some things that they said about me sure. and like my level of blackness type thing. Um, so I remember when he first approached me, I was like, nah, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, flat out, no. I was like, who's doing it? No, we're good. We're, we're good. And it, so, it wasn't a or anything. It was um, not, not to cut you off, Micah, but it's just what you just said right there. Not mm-hmm. blackness, but your level. level of, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, they, I think that for a lot of people who don't understand, who are not a person of color, there are so many different stereotypes and levels of blackness that Mm. we have within our own community that keep us down. And, you know, with Dylan, Dylan is Puerto Rican, but he gets confused or mistaken as black all the time. And, Mm. And I asked him, like, how does that make you feel? But then even being either someone who is dark-skinned black versus someone who is high yellow or very light-skinned black. There is... <laughs> yeah, basic, and, and I hate to say it, it's house versus field. <laughs> but that is the level of where you are respected in our community. So for you to say the level of blackness speaks on so many different levels to say, but it's the truth. Right. Right. And I think that's why the, the the phrase "person of color" (POC) has has become more important because I am a person of color, not black, but I'm a person of color, mm-hmm. and you know what applies to me also applies to him, and it also applies to Micah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like we've had to like change the vocabulary during this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it's like like I remember when everything, especially during summer 2020. Like, I fully for like, I think it was like two weeks straight, just completely stopped posting porn. And like, I think like my pin tweet was like, okay, like, y'all like seeing me like have sex on camera. We're going to talk about me staying alive if I'm pulled over type thing. It's like, it's like we're not going to talk like, yeah, you can, you can like seeing me naked as much as you want. But like, I'm also a human and this is also something directly affecting me. So like, if you're here, welcome. This is what I'm talking about right now. because like. If I'm going too above the speed limit, my life is literally in jeopardy. And that's not okay. Like, that's that's how I started handling a lot of stuff. And that's, it's funny because on the other, not the other side, but like after that summer where everyone and their mom was basically getting called out, like, it's not that it went away. It's not that it like disappeared and everyone stopped being an activist and stuff like that. It's just that people had to like, people went about it a different way because like not everyone was posting about it anymore in porn. But I know like even like me specifically with casting, it's like just sprinkling in POCs because it's like, this looks like a bowl of grits and there ain't no pepper in it type thing. It's like, just like doing something to make it look like, Hey, POCs just exist. Like we're here. Like we're we yeah. in yeah. actual situations. We exist in life. We exist in, 
work we like high like it's like i don't know why really important to keep that going like we didn't like to go back to business as usual you know what i mean exactly like just not making it like okay we're done and we're going to keep on shooting the same two white models until they age out like it's like no like it's like there's so many people that like are here that are already in the industry that are fantastic performers that like literally just get overlooked because it's like they don't pass the paper bag test and it's like okay like <laughs> literally will be the same caliber of performer have the greatest bodies fucking big old dick juicy butt but it, but it's like oh but see they're like four shades too dark for me so i'm sorry they can't really be on my site and it's like <laughs> that's just how it was and now like it's gotten better it is not perfect but it's gotten better it's right i right yeah. Very like, it, it but it is not perfect right better improvements yeah. are being made progress has been made you know it's mm-hmm. still a struggle it's still we still have to have these conversations we still have to advocate for ourselves and for other people that mm-hmm. look like us but it's gotten way better than it once was yes. absolutely mm-hmm. which is why it's important to keep having these conversations it can be uncomfortable it can be awkward mm-hmm. um but you got to keep having these conversations mm-hmm. and i i feel like it's really important to look like especially like the newer performers give them the confidence where they can say okay i can talk about this i can yeah. like mm-hmm. question this i can ask why you know like i can't say no i can say no yeah you know um that's so important because yeah. a, lot, like, a lot of the times i feel like it's it's become such the norm that people don't realize that they're doing it mm-hmm. until you point it out and then when you point it out they're like oh a lot of times people will just apologize and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize I was doing that. And then some people are so stuck in it. They're like, you know, shit, well, this is just the way it is. I'm like, but more of a <laughs> not, I just get that apology. <laughs> and, but I think, again, again, just have that conversation. Feel empowered enough to have the conversation, to ask the questions, to say no, to say no. You have, you, you could always say no. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's just like Dylan was saying, like, especially now, which is nice, but especially now, if you're ever getting a script or someone like gives you the plot summary and it's just something wild and it's, I get the appeal of people saying I'm colorblind when I cast, but it's like, no, you really can't be (laughs) like, it's like, you you have to take these things into account. Like, so if you're ever getting a script where someone's putting you in something that's a little sketchy, um, you can say something and no one's no one no one worth their spit is going to be like oh well then i'm not going to book you for anything ever like it's like no like if like they're normally like oh okay sorry like and again it's part of me wants to get so mad but like it is literally how they've been doing stuff for 30 years now (laughs) so it's not like it's that they're attempting to change and they're going to have slip-ups it's like yeah it's the way i look at every single person it's like if i see you making the effort i don't get mad or i try not to get mad so it's like when they do something like that and it's like oh hey micah um you are going to be the plumber for this rich quiet woman um it's going to be great it's not all right and it's like okay um why <laughs> why can't i be the plumber? yeah like, like why can't she be the plumber like why got these like luckily not so much when i got into the industry but i know shortly before i did like if you're my complexion like you need to have at least 10 inches and like 
be like a dreadhead with some sort of accent because like you're about to be like mandingo bullfucker type thing like it's like that's that's what it was the role just six years ago like not that long ago like jesus so like now it's like okay cool like it's improving like it's not great but it's improving (laughs) yeah Um, it's improving and mm -hmm. from what i have noticed especially coming out of the Midwest in the Kansas City area, it is a very, I don't, I, I don't, I've never felt comfortable using race. I, this is the way I was, I grew up. I grew up in a military household. We lived on bases. I saw mixtures of all kinds of different races at all, but it is in this particular industry where money is involved. It is usually white, older men who basically dominate the culture and i'm not talking about like within the porn industry it's who's purchasing this material they want to see young muscular white guys or young extremely thin white guys fucking and it's the um the the um the rare occasion where they want to see a a bbc or a mandingo Right. Being top for this, this little young guy just basically taking advantage of this person, and that's the stereotype we run into as being adult entertainers. If you're a person of color, you better be packing at least ten inches and a top. Hmm. I'm not that person. I'm not. <laughs> that's not me. I'm not tall. I'm not extremely skinny um i'm not a, a masculine top i i have i work out because i played sports all my life and i like the way that my body looks i'm decently proportioned and i love to bottom for for whoever i find attractive or whoever the studio hires <laughs> and <it's a> check- <laughs> <laughs> Mode. <laughs> Mode. <laughs> but once that mindset changes in the purchasing world that's where it's going to start changing the studio's mind my personal belief i think the studio has to guide them that way mm-hmm. stop mm-hmm. advertising the scene as interracial mm. Stop mm. s- describing as a BBC or um, a what is a big white a BWC. Just mm. these are two men having sex. Right. Period. And that's where these conversations come into place. These awkward conversations come into place where you you can talk about these things. You can correct these behaviors. You can say, okay, this is what you know. What I mean? This is yeah. what it does to us. This is how it makes us feel. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's like I said, it's just communication. Communication is so huge. Yeah. It's so big. And like I think the thing that always trips me out, which I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying it, is like a lot of studios they think that they don't have any say so in what people are buying. But half the time, marketing 101, like every commercial you see for a new product, it didn't exist. People didn't know they wanted it. People didn't know they needed it. And then you put it on TV and people are like, I like this. So it's like, if you're just subtly, hey, here's a scene, people are like, okay, I'm going to watch that. Like, Mm -hmm. 
we are very like us as humans we're very like lizard brain it's like oh what's this yeah. like it's like we're going to go towards it yep. we're going to watch it but they're like oh well this sold for the past 70 years so we're just going to keep doing that keep, yeah. like name broke don't fix it but they're not realizing that it is broken yeah. <laughs> like, not repetition doesn't make a right like yeah it's like just because like you're making like you could be making more money or the same amount of money but still incorporating other people like type like they aren't getting that um yeah i see it happen all the time especially with like only fans community and stuff like that like the different fetishes and kinks or different kinds of people like i see it happen with like fucking trans performers all the time like i've been talking to studios about like hey like let's like incorporate some more like trans men or like trans women or like non-binary whatever and they're like oh well they don't sell well but then I look at their percentage on OnlyFans, and I'm like, they sell better than I do. Pop off. <laughs> like, about the selling law right now. So yeah. it's like, but they are, it's so ingrained that this is what yeah. works. This is what we're going to do. And yeah. it's not necessarily true. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm very hopeful for the future. I think mm-hmm. that as time Good. goes by, as, you know, the industry changes, the people, you know, kind of like circulate, the younger group of people, they're so much more open-minded. You know, they're not phased by gay. They're not phased by trans. They're like, they, they, it's just, it, they're not phased by color. It's just normal to mm-hmm. them. And I think that as those people grow into the roles where they're in charge of money and politics, you know, the world will change. And, and people just have to be open and receptive to have the conversation because without it, like you said, communication is key. It doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. You got to be open. You got to be receptive and you've got to understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty three pretty big pillars to be fucking honest right. um <clears throat> i have <clears throat> one surprise question for you guys that was not on the list it's oh. not anything yeah. <laughs> i don't need any sort of profound answer but i was like <laughs> i thought about it today i'm very curious to know what is either the craziest like out there bizarre thing that you've ever had to film whether it be a situational type scene, whether it be just like completely bonkers that we're like, I can't believe we're going to do this, but let's fucking do it. Or like a, the, your best blooper. If you have one, there was one that you were talking or someone was talking about on one of the podcasts where somebody has slipped in a pool of jizz. I don't think <laughs> it was anyone, but I think it was someone one of you knew. It was my but, friend Silver, yeah. Yeah, so something like that. If you have them, if, if you, you know, if you don't have them, then, you know, but I have a feeling you guys do. <laughs> um, I will start and say <laughs> the scene that we did for, was it Man Up, Micah, you directed <laughs> I was actually in the clear. You're like the one that this up. person wrote. <laughs> that for me was completely outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. because I had to I had to do more acting than I have ever done in front of a camera before and just be like more creative and give more over the top than it is just here's a bed get on your back <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had to be a little bit more there was there was script there was more there was more dialogue in that than there was sex and for that particular site that's what the, the fans love to see they love yeah. to see that, that kink 
which is not me. I, that was completely tapping into a completely new resource for me, mm-hmm. a whole other uncomfortable area. But it was like, okay, this is a profession I chose to be in. This is what I need to do. I'm with someone that I trust, someone who's directing that I trust. So just let it go. Just yeah. Let it go and see what happens, and we'll we'll work we'll work it out. Mm-hmm. I will I will say with the acting, you were so natural. Like your facial expressions, your line, like I any love improv, any improv, no, any added a twist at the end. <laughs> I remember, I thought I was gonna like win at the end. And he's like, no, I'm going to win at the end. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of my, like, my man-up scenes, mm-hmm. or, or, like, the purr scenes were like that, where they, they they required more of me. They were just a little bit more um, uh, um, unusual, yes. challenging. Like, like, like we're, 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 it's very niche. It's very fetishy, mm-hmm. but not, like, tie you up and beat you fetishy, but more like, like robot sex. Like, I had to play a robot. You know, mm-hmm. one of them. There's one where hypnosis is one of the one of the common yeah, themes. So. Um, robot hypnosis. We were doing um, like uh, like I don't know, like a, a, I don't know, voodoo something. Voodoo of feet, feet, feet. Yeah. Are always me. Like I know that people love. There are people, people who love feet. The community of people who love feet really love feet. They're a mm-hmm. great community. They're a great audience. They're loyal. They will shout you out if they like what you've done. They will support you for the rest of your life. You could do one foot scene and they will support you for the rest of your life. Um, those have been, the, you know, the most challenging, the most fun, and the most unique. Um, uh, and then some of the other, like, bloopers or whatever, like, you know, hair falling off. <laughs> like, you know, working with a girl, I could buy stuff. The girl, her ponytail was on the table. Like, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, clicked it and kept going. <laughs> it was on the sofa. I mean, little things like that. It was hilarious because, like, you can't like you can't really recreate those moments. Like they either happen, yeah, or they don't. You know, yeah. you, can't, you can't fake it. You can't. It's just not the same if you have yeah. to fake it. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like those were like you know. And then there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that you know, obviously, you know, the audience will never know about. You know, someone shows up completely unprepared, but yeah. somehow you manage to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> we all pull together and get them through it. And we, you know, we're able to, you know, put out a beautiful product. Lots of things happen, but it's, it's, it's a fun industry. It's a rewarding industry. We all have a really good time. I think I can say that because we all, we're all still here. I think one of my funniest bloopers was, um, it was like, it was me fame and johnny b and we were like filming at this house and it's like a regular house so like the neighbors are used to people coming in and out so the one bedroom it like looks out over but it's like legit like on the third floor so it's like hard to see up and stuff like that and um i pop my head up like from like we're like in the middle of the scene like we're in the sex portion everything like that and there's just this neighbor across the street watching us. Like, and I mean like watching us watching like, doing things with his hand. So like we legit had to like stop and like vacate the room for because we didn't know they could like see it. And so we had to like fully cut, like hide, because they're like, isn't that the whole point of this? Isn't that the point of what we do? We want people to 
I was down, and but like the director Tom was like, we need to not like he's like literally (laughs) on the camera. I mean, (laughs) it was like me and the other performers are like down. We're like, let's go. (laughs) I would feel encouraged. I'd be like, like, we're doing a good job. job. We were like, yeah, Yeah. things is hot, but like we like we we had to like stop so, so this dude can like. Bust a nut and go inside. <laughs> I mean, like he was legit. Like at the car, he had like the one door open, but because we were so high up, we could still see down. Yeah, but like ground level, you couldn't see what he was doing. But like from where we were, he was like fully dick out, beating <laughs> off in his driveway, like watching us make a portal. And it's like this is hot, but like yeah, we should probably stop. <laughs> like because if he can see us, who else can see us? Type thing. I think that's, like, I mean, that's I probably invited him up. <laughs> yeah, it was a very nice house, and he wasn't a bad looking guy. So, but this was also three years ago. So, no. <laughs> for COVID, perfect timing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, you guys, thank you so fucking much for taking the time talking with me. This has been everything that I wanted it to be. So, thank you all so so much. I appreciate it. Thank Literally. You. This was fun. Thank you so much for having us. We enjoyed yeah. it. Though. Yeah, this was a really good time. It's been, it was, it's been a blast. We'll have you back. We'll do something else. We'll talk. It'll be great. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will be right back. All right. That was Dylan Diaz, Jake Waters, and Micah Martinez. And a super, super special thank you to them for taking time out of their schedules to talk with me. I truly appreciate it from the bottom of my little gay heart. My favorite thing about this episode was when I was talking with Dylan, one of the main things we wanted to talk about was destigmatizing the idea of sex work and people in the adult film industry. Um, and I encourage everyone to go back and re-listen to the answers that they gave. And you will notice that every single thing they said could be applied to any job, any career path, any task, like anywhere, you know, like having tenacity, have self-respect, being on time, being a jack of all trades, being prepared. I mean, yes, being prepared to bottom, but still, like, the ideas and the ideals, you know, are all there. Um, And most importantly, what I heard from them was a love of what they do. And I think that is the most important thing to have in your career. Uh, You know, like, a lot of people say, don't do what you love for a living because you'll start to hate it. I say, fuck that. Get paid for what you love to do. Um, Also, I do want to touch on what uh, Jake talked about in his story. Um, when he was talking about the resources that are out there. Uh, If anyone is listening or if anyone listening knows someone who is going through a sexually, emotionally, uh, and or physically abusive relationship, there is help out there. Um, There are links in the notes with phone numbers um, for the National Domestic Abuse Hotline and the National Sexual Assault Hotline. And those are just two. There are many, many more resources out there. So please reach out. All right. And that about wraps us up. You know, so a very happy Valentine's Day to all you beautiful cunts out there. Uh, remember, be safe, get tested, get vaxxed. Please, please, please get fucking vaxxed and boosted. Jesus Christ. Uh, and yeah, if you're a fan of making a martini, please share it with everyone you know. Okay? Just do it because I need you to. Um, and that's it. This has been Making a Martini. Up, dry, and straight to the point. Cheers. Cheers.